I don't understand the point of showing off your assets, or more like broadcasting them since there's nothing wrong with wearing clothes that flatter you, in the workplace, when the workplace isn't the right setting for that. I mean, when did wearing a come-hither outfit in a professional setting where everyone will look at you become chic, even though it's so tacky, so tasteless? Ladies, how do you want to come across seriously? Do you want to be taken seriously for your intellect or for your looks? Let's get to the episode. Welcome to Intentionally Mouthy, a lifestyle podcast on sass, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, hosted by Annie Paul Murphy. Annie is a naturalized U.S. citizen, originally from Colombia, on a mission to show the world the Hispanic conservative millennial point of view. Join the sassy and sometimes politically incorrect Latina as she explores unconventional ideas and introduces you to new and neat happenings all over. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Intentionally Mouthy. I have a confession. I am over talking feminism. Modern feminism itself is stupid, pointless, and I feel like if people nowadays don't have the common sense to figure out why and see how harmful it is, then it's like, why keep repeating myself? But I promise you an episode on how feminism is hurting women and you're getting it right now. On the last two episodes, I discussed how feminism has been negatively impacting men and kids. I even brought up the whole nonsense behind Mario Lopez apologizing for saying reasonable things about kids. Anyway, as part of my series on feminism, which thank God ends today because, well, although I may be done addressing this movement for now and want to start talking about other things, I will probably bring it up later on. Um, I move on today to the impact of modern, psychotic, and men-must-die feminism on women. Without further ado, here it is. There's been a disturbing trend lately where some women think that men are out to get them and that the so-called patriarchy is the one obstacle on their path to success. These women have developed the mentality that all men are pigs, morons, or both, and they shouldn't be on this planet. These modern feminists, bless their hearts, are part of what's wrong with this world. A world that rightfully embraces and capitalizes on the physiological and psychological differences between men and women. Today's feminism has given a rise to the term liberated woman. She is someone whose career matters more than the man she vowed her whole life to or the children she chose to have. Or better yet, this liberated woman is one who is free from anything and everything meant to tie her to any semblance of a real sane life. She'll pursue the outside motivators that she wants and to hell with whatever gets in her way. She matters more than her husband and children. They're an inconvenience to her. Hence why she'll kill those children before they're born, but that's for another day. Truthfully, I don't want anything with the so-called feminism. Hashtag, I don't need feminism. This anti-man and anti-children rhetoric is sickening and one I'll never support because it hurts everyone it comes into contact with. Let's consider women dressed in outfits that leave little to the imagination. Not at the beach or clubbing, but rather at settings that weren't more conservative attire. Before I proceed, though, it's time for some truthiness, honesty, not the state I live in, Utah, and the religion I follow, Catholicism. 
Utah is a beautiful state that many think of as the Mormon capital of the world because of how many Mormons there are here in proportion to members of other religions. Mormons are more conservative than most. And while some Mormon women choose to wear slacks and skinny jeans, it's my perhaps erroneous understanding that that's not encouraged, at least not at official Mormon events. This is why you'll often see women in longer skirts and dresses around downtown Salt Lake City near the Mormon Temple and outside Mormon places of worship. Being Catholic, I've always sought to differentiate myself from Mormons for as long as I've been living in Utah, which is almost 20 years by now. Before, er, Because I act more conservatively than average non-Mormon and even some Mormon millennials, I've found it easiest to stand out through the way I dress. So in the summer when I go out, I'll wear, for example, a strappy sundress or a cami and shorts, whereas most Mormon gals choose to weirdly wear sleeve tops underneath their clothes, like even their strappy dresses, to hide their garments. It's really odd. I explain this because normally people think that living in Utah has somehow shielded me from different ways to dress, as if good taste somehow skipped this state. But believe it or not, many women here know how to look the part and respect the setting they are in. Being a Colombian Latina, I actually grew up with the notion that it's okay to flaunt what you have, and that if you feel good, show it off. But I also grew knowing tact and propriety, and knowing when to show off and to whom, versus not caring for such important aspects. Now, where are we? Oh, yes. Outfits that don't cover much in settings, where one should perhaps be a little more covered regardless of faith beliefs. Picture in your mind one such setting, say a work presentation or a meeting with members of both sexes or mostly men, where the women happen to be wearing very short dresses or miniskirts or other cleavage revealing outfits. It's unfortunate that this is considered normal by some, to be honest. I've met women like that, and I always wonder how they justify wearing notoriously short, sometimes potentially rule-breaking, outfits to work. I don't understand the point of showing off your assets, or more like broadcasting them, since there's nothing wrong with wearing clothes that actually do flatter you, in the workplace, when the workplace isn't the right setting for that. When did wearing a come-hither outfit in a professional setting where everyone will look at you become chic, even though it's so tacky, so tasteless. My main point is, ladies, how do you want to come across, really? Do you want to be taken seriously for your intellect or for your looks? Nowadays, feminism alleges that modern representations of women, say bikini-clad women in ads or music videos, have increasingly led to their objectification, and that women don't deserve to be looked through such a narrow lens. But could these representations just be reflecting what's already out there? Think about it. Women and men, I'm looking at you man buns, yuck, have for a while been influencing what the media decides to sell, and they in turn keep consuming what the media sells them. But that's not the media's fault. People are at fault for showing us an image of women that shouldn't have gotten out in the first place. If us women want to be paid attention to for our intellect and endless capabilities, then the clothes we wear and the first impressions we make are key to transmitting our message successfully. Saying that others should ignore what you look like is beside the point, and it's ignorant too. If how you wanted others to see you was irrelevant, God would have let us roam around naked 24-7 after Adam and Eve's grave mistake, but he didn't, so now we're at the mercy of clothes. This has nothing to do with body or fashion shaming, by the way. I see it more as common sense, no? I mean, feminists have it all wrong. Being a woman doesn't mean I have to expose myself and damn any man who looks, even though men are human and have eyes. It means that I have the choice between looking inappropriate 
and like I crave the attention of other men, even if I work with them, and looking normal. A choice between impropriety and modesty. Then when I look proper and modest, I'm better able to command people's attention to my intellect first. I don't see how other women don't see that. And that brings me to another aspect that feminists are so wrong about. Modesty. No, I didn't grow up in purity culture or believing that pants are evil and that my hair must be concealed. Although my culture may have advocated otherwise, dressing modestly was more like a given to me. I didn't have people in my life who wore revealing clothes, so I didn't have any interest in doing so myself. As I got older, I learned that my Latin body was embraceable. And by the time I met my husband and we got married and went on our honeymoon in Hawaii, I felt like I was in such great shape that I wanted to show it off with cute bathing suits and beachy outfits. My husband's reaction? Yes, please. I mean, men love confident women. However, I am old-fashioned enough that if I think my outfit isn't all that modest or good, I'll still ask him what he thinks because there are things that should be for his eyes only. He always ends up approving. I guess I just overthink things sometimes. Modesty lies on a spectrum, and if you point out to someone that something is revealing or not appropriate, they may think you're slut-shaming them or something along those lines. But maybe that's the best reaction they can come up with because they know they're in the wrong and that you are right. I don't think one's body is meant to be overexposed in some settings at all. What liberated women do to men and women isn't benign. To illustrate, let me bring your attention to a quote from an email sent to Dr. Laura Schlesinger about feminism. Melanie's the author of the email, but I won't read you the whole thing. I did link to it on my show notes, though. Here's a notable part of her message. Quote, Feminism has taken this drive away from men. It taught them that they shouldn't have to work so hard. It has taught them that their wives should share in the work and it doesn't matter who does the wife's work at home. End quote. The language of this next quote by Dr. Lore herself may be a little unpalatable to some readers and it's the main reason why I designated this episode as explicit. Listener discretion advised. Quote, The best thing to ever happen to young males was feminism because it saved them a lot of money paying for whores. With all the hooking up and casual sex that goes on these days, most girls act like whores. They just don't get paid for it. And what guy wants to lay down his life for some skink who has been with 18 guys? What for? He doesn't see her as motherhood and apple pie. He sees her as a skink. End quote. But what does that all do to women? Take the first quote. A man who thinks a greater income is more important than having his loving wife take care of the children they made who believes that an indifferent nanny or money-loving daycare can do the job just as well isn't worthy of the title dad. I mean, most men can biologically produce a kid, but not as many can care for said kid. A man should want the best for his family, and that's a parent, mom or dad, mom and dad, caring for the kids. The first quote also reminds me of a follow-up issue, and that's when the woman in a two-parent household where both parents work wants to stay in her job because she can rely on a nanny or daycare, and the husband wants to supposedly support her. I always crack up when Dr. Laura says those men are scared of their wives and would rather appease them and let them do whatever at the expense of their kids' health and well-being. She has a good point. As for the second quote, this one resonates more with the term liberated women, and I'll expand on how it can be more damaging in the next section. When a guy knows he can get sex for free without the commitment, what incentive is there for him to make a commitment? And by commitment, I actually do mean marriage. Again, call me old-fashioned, but 
As I've written in the past, not even living together equals commitment. I've linked to posts I've written about that in the show notes. A gal who gives herself away freely to anyone may be marriage material, may being the key word there. But a man will know that that gal doesn't really have standards. She's so liberated that her body isn't worth anything and she's not afraid to do the deed with everyone. The man will then think if she doesn't have standards, what does that make me? Worthless, a dummy, that's what. On to the next gal with standards. Society is old enough to have people from all cultures and walks of life. And I myself became a fan of at least two bloggers who for years lived with their significant others. Not to mention I grew up with girls and have been friends with others for whom this was always the way to go. I never call them out on that because that's their choice and I'm not their mother. But this is something I've been passionate about for years and that I'm therefore going to keep talking about. I mean, it's my blog and my podcast after all. My mission has always been to be that lone wolf, that voice that's right in a sea of contradictions and nonsensical claims for the minority who may not see their point of view represented in the mainstream. And I am proud to be that voice and I am honored to have others like me thanking me for doing so. In short, just dress well, like you have some taste and don't give your male co-workers ideas. Also, don't live with a man before getting married. Have some dignity for crying out loud. Up next is abortion. This one will be very brief because I could go on and on about it, but I won't just yet. This issue almost deserves its own episode, to be honest, and perhaps someday I will write one that goes into deeper issues in how abortion hurts men. But for now, suffice it to say that liberated women who get abortions are kind of like the skinks that were mentioned earlier. Women who have sex with men only to then get pregnant by those men and later abort their babies tell other women who would never stoop so low that it's easy to get out of problems and that commitment is a joke. That a good time is more important than a kid. This in turn makes it detrimental for women in general because guys who are worth it will come to think that all women are like that. Not only will they use them for food, but they'll also use them for a fun night and discard the baby they made. All because it's too inconvenient for them. What a sick type of birth control. That was that actually. Now let's address the so-called wage gap. Modern feminists kicking and screaming about not making as much as men are doing normal women a disfavor by making it seem like all women are such whiny, stupid, ignorant creatures who don't know the facts. This next quote is from a segment on Tucker Carlson. It may sound familiar because I also talked about it two episodes ago. I've linked to all that in my show notes. Quote, Whenever gender differences come up in public debate, the so-called wage gap dominates the conversation. A woman makes 70 cents for every dollar a man earns. But that number compares all American men to all American women across all professions. No legitimate social scientist would consider that a valid measure. The number is both meaningless and intentionally misleading. Once you compare men and women with similar experience working the same hours and similar jobs for the same period of time, and that's the only way you can measure it, the gap all but disappears. In fact, it may invert. One study using census data found that single women in their 20s living in metro areas now earn 8% more on average than their male counterparts. 8% more. By the way, the majority of managers are now women. Women on average are scoring higher in IQ tests than men are. And so on and so on. End quote. But still, there are more women spouting off this nonsense and that's that it's all men's faults and that they make it less, even though there's ain't even any proof of this. 
Finally, there's one more worthwhile point to discuss when it comes to how feminism has negatively impacted women, and that's co-ed workplaces, especially after the stupidity <laughs> of the Me Too movement. For the past year, or actually almost two years or so, there has been a myriad of posts and articles about how that's hurt women in the workplace for different reasons, but mainly because men are not too scared of them. Yeah, men, scared. Years ago, Mike Pence got admonished big time for revealing that he won't dine or meet with other women who aren't his wife alone. This was before Me Too, but it somehow oddly forecast what was about to come in the wake of Me Too. A while after he made those comments and the dust had settled from people who criticized him to no end, allegations against male celebrities started coming out. Some allegations were true and ruined careers, while others weren't true at all. Of the allegations that were true, some made people wonder how the perpetrators were allowed to continue their behavior for so long with impunity. Hollywood, I'm talking to you, you bastards. But there were also false allegations and dumb allegations and exaggerated allegations. Take the comedian who did a consensual act to his date one night, but she didn't like it or she conveniently changed her mind so she complained about it the next day and he had to apologize publicly for something she had consented to. Or take the famous actor whose wife accused him of abuse, but then later evidence reveals she was the abuser. <laughs> there are many such examples. Too many to include here. My point is that now, the reason for Mike Pence's self-imposed so-called ban on women who aren't his wife was starting to become more and more obvious and starting to make more sense. Women lie, y'all. Women may not shoot somebody, but they'll lie about men and ruin their careers, families, and livelihoods. Or worse than that, someone may make up a lie and allege that the work meeting between Jane and Joe was actually a romantic tryst, and next thing you know, Jane and Joe may not have proof to show otherwise. So they get reprimanded or fired for inappropriate conduct in the workplace, even though nothing happened. So naturally, some men are scared and would rather protect themselves and their families than meet alone with women at work. Here are some examples. Again, I've linked to several examples of this in the show notes. According to MarketWatch, 60% of male managers say they're scared of being alone with women at work. And according to Bloomberg, a Wall Street advisor also admitted that hiring a woman these days is, quote, an unknown risk because what if she took something he said the wrong way? Further, the author of that piece states, quote, few will talk openly about the issue. Privately, though, many of the men interviewed acknowledge they're channeling Pence, saying how uneasy they are about being alone, with female colleagues, particularly youthful or attractive ones, fearful of the rumor mill or of, as some put it, the potential liability. He continues, a manager in infrastructure investing said he won't meet with female employees in rooms without windows anymore. He also keeps his distance in elevators. A late 40-something in private equity said he has a new rule, established on the advice of his wife and attorney, no business dinner with a woman 35 or younger, end quote. Then in a Forbes article, the author said that an investment banker she talked to said that men are now very afraid of working with women and that he would not consider taking up, as a taking up a woman as a mentee for many reasons that I'll bring up later. That same article brings up research by leanin.org, which showed that the number of senior men who are uncomfortable mentoring women has more than tripled. This all gives light to one key societal problem, more like an epiphany if you think about it. Men are making decisions to keep themselves safe because they're afraid of women. And unfortunately, those decisions, those decisions are yielding negative results for women. This is a problem women created and that women need to solve. 
It's kind of like trying to get a fearful dog who's been cornered to not bite you. Yeah, good luck. With great power comes to great responsibility. They created this problem, now they're stuck with it. It's a woman's problem. This isn't for men to solve. Feminists put women in this place, and it's up to women as a whole to get themselves out. This isn't sexist, it's common sense. Here are some clues that may help women get themselves out of the shithole they buried themselves. Remember that Forbes article from earlier in which that investment banker told the author he had many reasons for why men are now afraid of working with women? Here are some more of those reasons. Quote, because he doesn't know how to be around women anymore. Because he couldn't be sure of how his normal actions were being perceived. Because he was afraid of being accused of sexual harassment. He had a whole lot of other reasons, but mainly that he had no incentive to mentor women. He would go through extra hassle for no rewards and live with constant fear of being alone with them or even looking at them in case that glance were perceived, was perceived as lecherous, flirtatious, and inappropriate. End quote. Again, that's terrible and all, but it's not men's doing. This author later goes on to say that women should essentially get over their fears. Really? That's your conclusion? Even though a lot of those allegations were fake, <coughs> Kavanaugh, <laughs> men are supposed to keep going with the flow and let their careers and lives be ruined because some woman decided to misinterpret or lie about something that happened or didn't happen? No, it's up to women. Come on. But I don't mean that women should all pose on a magazine cover and praise how they all spoke out about this crap while thousands more genuinely suffered. I'm looking at you, 2017 Time Magazine Person of the Year, aka the Me Too Silence Breakers. How dumb. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, back in December 2017, Time Magazine named as its Person of the Year the so-called Silence Breakers. The women who spoke up when all the Me Too stuff started happening. On the cover for that specific issue... By the way, I've linked to the article itself in my show notes. Our strawberry pickers, Isabel Pascual, lobbyist Adama Iwu, and former Uber engineer Susan Fowler, along with Ashley Judd and Taylor Swift. Don't even get me started on Ashley Judd, by the way. I didn't read through the whole thing because no thanks, but I did skim through parts of it, including Selma Blair's account of an encounter she had with some director back in the 90s. An event that she could have prevented simply by, oh, I don't know, Refusing to go to his hotel room by herself or ever. Dr. Laura had something to say to those women then. And I just had to share it with you today. Quote, you want your job movie so bad that you'll allow yourself to be prey. You will be prey. You want to be prey. You will be prey. I'm so fed up with women being bunny rabbits and then they get on the front page of Time magazine. Meanwhile, they had successful careers and didn't protect other women. They're cowards. What happened to the sisterhood, to feminism? They were more concerned with their own careers. They made the moral choice, end quote. Her point? They put themselves in those positions for the sake of their careers, didn't say anything for ages instead of speaking up earlier to help prevent those disgusting acts from happening to other women because they cared more about their careers and were just now coming out, so to speak. Yes, they are cowards. They're only feminists when it's convenient for them because in reality, they care more about their careers. Losers. That's despicable. If you claim to be a real feminist, fight for the rights and protection of all women, men, and children. Only then will our society thrive. Don't be toxic. Don't be an a-hole. And for the love of goodness, dress better and appreciate it when others tell you to dress better. Respect other people. Be nice to one another. 
And also stop getting offended and choosing to get offended at everything for crying out loud. In order to get offended, you must actually value the alleged offender's opinion. So if you don't, just quit whining and get over it. Dust yourself off. Okay, that was all for my series on how feminism hurts. For more on how it negatively affects children and men, check out my previous episodes. And do not forget to share your comments and questions with me on Twitter and iMouthy or on the show notes. As always, make today great and keep tuning on for more Common Sense. Bye. Thanks for listening to Intentionally Mouthy. If you like the show and want to know more or find the free resources we talked about, check out podcast.anniesaidso.com. If you love this episode, head over to iTunes or Google Podcasts to leave a positive review and subscribe for free. Did I mention free? Thank you.